Assalamu alaikum everyone. I hope you're all well, inshallah. Welcome back to another podcast. And if you're new here, salam. My name is Farah. And I randomly started a podcast where I discussed Islam from my perspective, a 23-year-old girl living in the UK. So, today's topic is something I did briefly touch on my first ever podcast, which was about my journey through Islam and how I rediscovered it. It's titled My Journey Rediscovering Islam, so you'll find it on my profile, which is about culture and how it negatively impacted my faith growing up, and how because of culture, well, one of the reasons, culture was one of the reasons that I actually started to distance myself from my faith. And I'll be going into detail today, and I'm not saying in any way, shape or form that you should dump your culture, throw it away, out the bin, out the window. No, I'm just saying that we need to be careful about what aspects of culture we actually put or give importance to, because not everything in culture is good, not everything everything in culture is bad. Now... I was born and raised in a strict Muslim Pakistani household, mainly strict culture-wise, not as much religion-wise, but it was still quite strict. Now, growing up, I was expected to know how to cook and clean and just be pretty, of course. I was made to lay on my clothes, cover properly and wear a hijab, but the problem is when you're not of age, and you're a toddler. Now, there are some pictures of me without and some with, it depended on the mood, but most of the time, yeah, not really hijab, but I did layer a lot. A lot. Yeah, my brothers, I felt like my brothers could do whatever and be however they wanted, and my mum wouldn't get As annoyed, she'll still get annoyed, but she wouldn't, like, force her way into the situation and sort of, quote-unquote, fix it. But, yeah, I grew up feeling as though I couldn't do anything. When I say anything, I mean anything. Like, I couldn't even breathe in peace. I know it's so bad to say, but that's what I felt, right? We have to be honest. We have to be frank. That's what I felt. Now, because I was a Muslim girl, that's what I thought. I thought it was because I was a Muslim girl and nothing else. I had so many rules I was made to follow in the name of religion. Like, when I say rules, I didn't really know they were rules. At the time, I thought it was just normal. And then as I grew older, I realised that, no, it's not normal. It's just pushed on me because I was a girl and not pushed on my brothers because of their boys. But... Yeah, I later found out it wasn't nothing to do with religion. Alhamdulillah. Honestly. One of the big ones for me, like the big things that I really didn't like, was how when I was in primary school, I would be so hot in summer and everyone would be in t-shirts and dresses with short sleeves, as of course any kid would. But no, I had to wear a dress with long sleeves, with like 
No, the dress was short sleeves. I had to wear a long sleeve top underneath. I had to wear trousers as well. Couldn't wear leggings. I had to wear trousers. And then... Sometimes I had to wear a hijab and sometimes not. But to school I always wore a hijab. This is, I think, when I was nine years old. And I would be so hot all the time. And I just felt so jealous looking at other kids. Because even the Muslim girls in my class, they must have thought I was so weird because I didn't get the chance of going to school with cute bows and dresses for a very long time at all. And I know, I know, some people might be thinking, oh, it's only a small thing. But it wasn't really a small thing to me as a kid because all I wanted to do was dress cute like my friends. When I was older, I found out that, obviously, covering in hijab is mandatory, but only for people who have reached their puberty. And I had not, and would not have for a long time after. Yeah, so you know what, where I'm coming from with this. It's that typical situation where... That's what they think is best because obviously my mum went through the same. She was made to wear it when she was small. She was told to wear it. She thought that was best so she put the same thing on me. It's not her fault at all because that's how she was raised. That's how she was taught. That's how she was brought up. So I won't blame her at all because obviously that's all she knew. But when I was in year eight... I was about 13 years old, I think, or 13, 12, 13, I think I was 13. So I took my hijab off and I felt free because I wore it for such a long, long time to school. And But I will, the thing is, I had to wear it to school, but I didn't have to wear it on Eid, on my birthday, to this place, to that place. Because you have to look pretty, of course. And, yeah, it didn't really make sense. In all honesty, it didn't make sense. So, when I did take it off, I felt free. Now, we all know why it happens. Because that's what so-and-so's kid does. Like, I know it wasn't the best thing for me to do, taking it off. But I didn't know why I was wearing it. I didn't want to wear it. I didn't know anything about it. I just knew. Well, I just thought kids had to wear it. But so-and-so wasn't. So-and-so wasn't. Why do I have to? Like, that sort of thing. It's just, yeah, it didn't make sense to me. But now, alhamdulillah, I know with a firm belief that I do want to wear it. And I know why. I know the meaning behind it. That's very, very important. You can't just tell someone to wear it without telling them why. Explaining to them, making them understand. Otherwise, there will come a time, most of the time, where they want to take it off. It's, yeah, it happens. But actually, on the topic of so-and-so, on the topic of that's what so-and-so's kid does, I have to mention this. And sorry, not sorry, but it needs to be addressed. We have this whole belief and world view based on this quote alone. Now, if you're Pakistani or Indian, you know what I'm talking about and what I'm going to talk about, okay? 
this, I know I'm laughing, but it's really sad. And it means, what will people say? You see a girl walking to school by herself, and then, You see an old lady laughing on the phone in public, A girl going to her house after being out for a few hours, because perhaps she was studying, or perhaps she was at the library, or perhaps maybe she had a genuine reason. But... Log kya kehenge? It's yeah, it's just really sad. I remember wearing jeans to school, but having to wear Pakistani clothes when going out with my parents because of the log kya kehenge idea. They never said that, but I remember knowing what they meant. I remember it turned me into a complete rebel. I became rude, egotistical, and I was just a child that didn't want to behave because I wanted everyone to love me, and that didn't work at all. Not well at all. So I ended up in a downward spiral, right, into depression. The only reason I'm not depressed anymore is because I stopped caring about Lokiakehenge. When you start caring about the right things and stop caring about the wrong things, it makes a big, big, big positive impact on your mental well-being as well. Not just your... You see, it's all connected. Your mental well-being is connected to your spiritual well-being, which is connected to your physical well-being. It's all like a triangle. It's all connected. If you're spiritual well-being is good then your mental well-being is good and if your mental well-being is good then your physical well-being is good one of them can't be bad okay if one of them's bad then something is wrong and you need to work on something okay because they have to all work together now in all honesty we should be worrying about what god things and not what people say about us okay we are muslims and they shouldn't be speaking about us in the first place okay people who gossip oh my god gossiping is such a big sin and may allah save us from its temptation okay i mean as muslims our primary concern should be allah kya kahenge. what will allah say about this we are in his world we are his creations Indeed, to Allah we belong, and to Allah we shall return. Quran 2.156 If this whole life is a test, and we waste it trying to please others, it would just be a waste, wouldn't it? It just really doesn't make sense. I don't understand. It's like this. Imagine, you have an exam... You have an exam, and you don't take the exam, or even attempt it. Because you've wasted all your time worrying about how the other people taking the exam will feel or think about you. When it comes to handing your paper, you score a zero because it's blank and you wasted all your time because you were either too busy looking at other people, thinking about what they would say, thinking about what they would think about you, 
than taking your actual test. Now, you see, none of that mattered at all. None of what people thought mattered because you failed your test. So, you might not get into your chosen A-level courses or college or uni or anything because the test came and you spent too long thinking about others, thinking about what they feel, what they think, and not focusing on what matters, not focusing on your test and not getting enough marks, not getting enough deeds and not getting enough good things to get into Jannah. Okay? Inshallah, we all do our best and reach Jannah. Amen. Another big thing that really bothers me about Pakistani culture are darbars. Now, I know a lot of aunties, if any Pakistani aunties are listening to this, you will not like this. These big mosque-like buildings that are full of shrines of dead pious people where you pay an old man to make du'a for you because culturally you're quote-unquote not good enough to make it yourself. These people are then... These people then proceed to hit you with a pillow. I'm not joking. They get a pillow, a big long one, they smack it on your head to give you blessings and send you on your merry way. <laughs> yep, that's how it works. Now, anyone who's not Pakistani is definitely confused, okay? I guarantee, because it doesn't make sense. So, it sort of reminds you of how in churches they have, um, what are they called? Confessions, confessions, yeah. Where you go through someone to get forgiven for your sins by confessing. So here you go through someone to make du'a for you. It's sort of the same thing. The belief even goes as far as saying only du'a will get accepted in this way because that holy man will make it happen. This goes into a very dangerous category of shirk where we start associating godly powers, very high-level powers, and godlike attributes to these men who are human and nothing more. They may be pious, they may know a lot, but they're people after all. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's just so scary how these dangerous things have been added to a religion that calls us to speak to Allah and to worship Him alone. Okay? It tells us... In the Quran, Allah tells us in the Quran, and He says, And your Lord says, Call upon me, I will respond to you. Indeed, those who disdain my worship will enter hell. Quran 40 60. If He tells us to make dua, then who is anyone to say we are not good enough to make dua to Allah? That's just Shaitan's whispers, okay? If, if there's a single thought in your head that says you're not good enough to make du'a. That's just shaitan. Because Allah says you're good enough to make du'a. Allah says you should make du'a. So it's very dangerous. It's very borderline shirk. Or even going into shirk. With this whole darbar belief. They've literally made everyone who's cultural. Which is which are most people in Pakistan. Believe that even istakhara is haram to do. Or not allowed to do. Because... You're not a sheikh, sorry, because you're not a sheikh, you're not a scholar, you're not an imam. They go to people and pay them, can you believe? They pay them money to do istikara for them, 
or they phone someone on live TV who's a sheikh or someone of knowledge and they ask them to make istihara for them. This is so wrong. There's a hadith in, um, one in where is it? In Sunan An-Nasai, it's hadith 3253 that's narrated by Jabra bin Abdullah. And it just, it explains how to do istihara. And it says, The Messenger of Allah used to teach his companions to perform istihara in all matters, just as he used to teach them surahs from the Quran. He said, if any one of you is deliberating about a decision he has to make, then let him pray two rakahs of non-obligatory prayer. Then say, I seek your guidance by venture of your knowledge, and I seek ability by venture of your power, and I ask you for your great bounty. You have power, I have none, and you know, and I know not. You are the knower of the hidden things, O Allah, if in your knowledge this matter, then it is mentioned my name, is good for me and my religion, my livelihood and my affairs, then ordain it for me, make it easy for me, and if it it in your knowledge is bad for me and for my religion, my livelihood and my affairs, then turn it away from me and me away from it, and ordain for me the good, whereas it may be, and make me pleased with it. So clearly, if our own Prophet Muhammad wasallam, is calling some of his closest people to learn how to praise Tahara, then of course we should follow Islam. Islamically, our best role model is the Prophet then the companions of his, the Sahaba, come after him. So if they are all who we are supposed to look up to and learn from, then of course we should take after them by doing what they did and by following suit. The Prophet calls all of us, not just the companions, to come and praise Salat al-Istakhara. You can literally see how all of this stuff comes when people have so much grip on their culture that they're not willing to let go and let a few things slip for the sake of Islam. They have a culture that says something they really, really believe and they really don't want to let go of, so they let religion slip behind. I remember being so confused growing up because I had heard culture say one thing and I read religion saying the opposite. I remember thinking maybe Islam was all made up. <laughs> but nothing seemed to go hand in hand. It all clashed and collided and never went well together. We really need to bring our kids up in an environment that is purely Islamic so they don't have any of that cultural confusion and so that they have a solid Islamic upbringing. I agree that not everything cultural is bad, but the aspects that go against teachings of Islam and what we're supposed to do, supposed to believe, the basic core teachings of Islam, they need to be abolished. The culture that clashes with it needs to be abolished and not cared about at all. It won't benefit you. It's, it's just useless stuff anyways i've made this podcast episode way too long and i've dumped my child on my sister-in-law so i need to go and get her 
So inshallah, you tune in for the next one. And follow my Instagram with the same name for more beneficial reminders. Until next time, salam.